Hi there, I'm Hilary DeCesar and you're about to listen to episode number 10 of the Silver Lined Relaunch. Jennifer Takagi knows a thing about leadership and helping increase performance. Not only is she my personal accountability partner, but her incredible story about being spared by the gift from grace or a higher power from a prominent event in US history. This led Jennifer to re-examine not only her life, but her dedication and mission in life as well. When you think, why was I spared? It starts to reveal silver linings on a higher purpose. And this episode is packed with magical moments of the human story. And it's not always the ones we pre-write. It's the one we write. It's something we can all relate and learn from. So enjoy, and don't forget to listen to the lightning round of questions that I do at the end of every episode, because Jennifer's bubbly and warm personality is captured perfectly in her answers. And now, our conversation begins, and so does our connection. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Miss Jennifer Takagi. And Jennifer, wow, 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 wow. The fact that we have been able to get this together, we are jamming out. You've got a podcast we're going to be talking about. I've got one. And today is going to be a really impactful, impactful episode for all of those that are listening. And I am, I'm so excited to introduce you to our audience. So welcome. Oh, thank you, Hillary. I'm so happy to be here with you today. And I love your podcast. Oh, well, you're sweet to say that. I think you have to say that, right? If you're, <laughs> actually, you don't have to say anything, right? You could just not say anything, but I do appreciate it. Um, so, so Jennifer, you and I know each other from a um, mastermind group, which has this amazing group of women, Carrie Murphy's Luminary Leaders. And we had an opportunity to really get to know each other when we actually had a live event. And that was in January. And this group is a group that is a year-long program. And I have to say, I walked away and I thought, I have truly met somebody that has impacted my life so much. And the reason that I I really felt so strongly is my mom had passed a couple months before. You and I sat down together. And throughout the day, you're just, you're, you've got so much just like, you know, piss and vinegar about you that is just so fabulous. In fact, I, I've nicknamed you, you know, Miss Oklahoma, Miss O, because you've just got this warm heart. You've got just a, a really 
outstanding compassion and empathy for people. And what you opened up with when we sat down in the evening to just, you know, kind of talk was quite truthfully, I had no idea. And I thought, would you mind sharing your story? So, audience, the question always becomes, what story is that, Hillary? <laughs> and <laughs> the story she's talking about is April 19th, 1995, which is the day of the Oklahoma City bombing. And on that morning, I woke up sick. I had bronchitis. I just could hardly take a breath. And those of you who are smokers, which hopefully that's, you know, the minority of the audience, but if you're a smoker, it doesn't matter how sick you are, you're going to smoke. Mm. So I was sitting at the kitchen table smoking, trying to decide how I was going to go to work because I was so sick. And this gentle, soft voice said, stay home and take care of yourself. And I hadn't really had a soft voice like that before, but it was very, very clear. Stay home, take care of yourself. So I called in sick. And this is around 7, 7.15 in the morning. And I was sitting in the house, perfectly quiet, reading a book. And it felt like the whole entire house was shaking. And I had my dog and my mom's dog. And they both started barking and they wouldn't quit. And the whole house just kind of kept vibrating. And I ran outside and the neighbor across the street was had run out on her porch because we thought like some semi truck drove down in the middle of the neighborhood or something. I went back in the house and the phone rang and I answered it and it was my brother's ex-wife. And as soon as I said, hello, she said, Jennifer, thank God you didn't go to work today. They just blew up your building. And in a moment like that, your brain stops. It's like, there is nothing. And I said, I have to go. So what was the first thing I did? I called the office. I called the office and the phone just rings and rings and rings. And I hung up and I thought, I'm going to go to that neighbor's house. I don't know why, but I could not be alone in that moment. I had to be with somebody, even a neighbor that I didn't know. So I ran across the street and I looked amazing because I worked glasses and contacts at the time. I had on my big black glasses, a nightgown, a plaid robe, and house shoes. I right across the street. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Just imagine. Uh, I ring the doorbell. She opens the door, and we had at least met once, you know, in passing. And I said, uh, oh, I turned on the TV at my house. And they said it was the federal courthouse, which was across the street from my building. So my sister-in-law was wrong. And I said, oh my God, they just blew up the federal courthouse and my cousin works there. And she goes, oh my God, come in. And she hugs me and pulls me into her house. And as I look over her shoulder, there's this huge big screen TV, which in 1995, there were not that many. And about that time, the smoke lifted. And it was not the federal courthouse. It was the Murrah Federal Building. That was my building. That's where I worked. And the majority of the building was gone. There was just a shell. And I said, oh my God, that's my building. I need to sit down. And there was a 
two recliners with a little end table and she goes sit and I stumbled over and I sat down and as I sat I saw a pack of cigarettes which of course I'm sick but people if you don't smoke you don't get it but if you smoke you're committed I said I need to smoke and she goes fine smoke I picked up a cigarette and I lit it and as I put that lighter down I saw a telephone and I said I need to call my family. I, I need to tell them I'm alive. So that started a day of phone calls. And by pretty much the end of the business day, it was pretty clear. The people that we had not been able to contact had perished and everybody else had been accounted for. And the first hour or so, my only thought was, I'm the only one alive. I'm the only one to build the office back. How can I do this by myself? And I was very- That's pretty amazing that that's already what you were, you know, you're thinking, how do I rebuild? Yeah, how do I do this all by myself? And as it turns out, thankfully, there were a lot of people who were not killed that day. There was a training offsite that a big chunk of one division was at. Um, there was another uh, group of people that were in training in an area where like two people were injured, pretty severe injuries, but they recovered. And so people were like in various places. And we also did not have to be at work till 930. And this happened at 902. So there were some people actually on their way to work. So, so how many people in your office actually perished that day? 35. 35. And you said that when you woke up, you didn't feel very well. You were sick. You thought, you know, I, I know you, you had said, you know, you always go in, you never miss, but something that voice, as you said, just kept saying, you know, don't go in today. And it was soft and it was gentle. It was not harsh. It was not um, scary. It was very soothing and I've, I've often heard from my godmother, especially who's a very strong Christian, if God talks to you, it doesn't make sense, but it's soft and gentle. Hmm. If it is not his voice, it's scary and harsh. That's good to know. I never <laughs> thought about that way. Um, so when you, when you called in, which you did and you, you talked to, can you tell us a little bit when you went through that inner battle of like, do I go, don't I go? And the, was it the assistant to your boss was saying, Hey, you know, stay home. What, what was that conversation like? Well, I, I, I sounded like this. <laughs> mm. I sounded horrible. And her name was Teresa Lauderdale, very wonderful woman. And she answered the phone and I said, I feel terrible, but I know I have so much work to do. I need to come in. I'm going to stay home this morning and I'll try to be in at noon. But if I'm not there at noon, I'm not coming in. And she said, well, you, you sound like you should stay home. I wasn't fully committed to calling in, right? I'll be, I'll try to come in at noon. And that was the last time I talked to her. She and my boss and everybody that sat around me perished that day. So Jennifer, I know you haven't really talked about this very much, and you, when we first started talking about coming on 
this podcast, you even said, well, what, you know, which story should I tell? And why haven't you wanted to really talk about what happened? Well, to be clear, I do not mind talking about it and that, you know, the whole rest of the day and the days that followed because we did, this was April 19th. We didn't go back to work officially till, um, I can't remember if it was just before 4th of July or just after, cause they had to find space for an office of over a hundred people. And even though 35 had died, we still, you know, needed space to refill those positions. So it took a long time to get that all hashed out and get us up and operational. And like several things come into that. Number one, I don't want to take people a place they don't want to go. So if I'm speaking at an event, if I'm doing a training, I haven't really found a proper voice to share enough of the information to explain what happened without people going to a deep dark place and staying there that's like a balance and in oklahoma like it's the whole six degrees of separation of kevin bacon everyone in the state was affected Hmm. you either lost someone you knew someone who lost someone or you had plans to be there. I don't know how many times people have said, well, I was supposed to be in that building that day. And social security was in that building. There was a credit union in that building. So there were a lot of things that people would have been there just on a normal day doing business. So everybody is so tied to it. I was actually at a speaker's workshop, like how to be a great speaker or something. And the guy was a jerk. Like I would say his name on here just to shut his business down because he was just <laughs> horrible. And it's all day. It's towards the end of the day. And I only stayed because they kept talking about this one woman that was coming on at the end of the day. So I stayed and they had a break and there was the most beautiful African-American woman I had ever seen there. And I just, I mean, my eyes kept going to her because she was so gorgeous. And I'm sitting there messing with my phone during the break. And I look up and I thought, this is stupid. I should meet people. And I went up and I introduced myself and she said, I should leave. I said, well, girlfriend, nobody's keeping you here. This is a free event. <laughs> Just head on out that door. But why do you want to leave? I said, he's a jerk. I will never pay him a dime, but I want to hear this woman. And she said, I took off work today and I came here to learn how to share my story. And he offended me in the first five minutes Hmm. and his first in his introduction, he said, you're never going to make it in Oklahoma. There's nothing here. You're known for nothing, but that worthless thunder team and that stupid bombing. Oh, geez. I can't believe you all stayed. Hmm. And her son, her two-year-old son was killed in the daycare. Mm. And she said, I started my day with that. Mm. And so I started crying. She started crying. We hugged. When everybody came back, she stayed a few minutes, but hopefully I gave her the courage to leave because she was on the front row. And at some point she just got up and walked out and I wanted to stand up and clap for her because I mean, that took a lot of courage because she felt like I'm here. I have to say, 
And again, I only stayed because of this one woman they kept saying would speak. She was good. She, it wasn't really worth mm-hmm. a day of my life. I can't get back. But that solidified in my mind the idea of you have to be gentle and careful how you share that story, especially here. Because I would have never dreamed that not only was somebody else affected by that event, but her baby was killed. Mm. So a couple of weeks later was the anniversary of the bombing. We saw each other there. And so now I see her at the annual service. Oh, I love that. So Jennifer, when we were talking that evening in January and I was still going through heavy mourning of the loss of my mom and you said, I actually have, I, I wrote a book about, about loss. And can you tell us a little bit about how you took all the different things? Cause this, this is just one of many that you've gone through and actually did decide to have your voice, but in a little bit of a different way. Can you share that? Yeah, that took a little bit of, um, I'm going to say courage to decide to write that, but I have two good friends. One's a man, one's a woman. And in the last five or six years, they've each lost their spouse. And it was probably about this time last year, I heard them talking to each other. I was kind of on the curriculum of the conversation and they were saying how they weren't grieving correctly. It's been how many ever years and I should feel better. I should feel different. And the one thing I've learned is it's not a linear process. And it became abundantly clear. I lost my parents in 2008 and they died 12 days apart. And it was heart wrenching because I adored my parents. They were absolutely wonderful. And that grief just. And it was unexpected. (laughs) Well, my mom had a stroke, my dad had cancer. And when he died, we thought we had months, if not years with my mom and Mm. poof, she's gone. She had oral cancer and we didn't even Mm. know it. Mm. And so her death was extremely unexpected. And like, it would just bubble up at the strangest times, like out of nowhere. And probably the worst, they died at Thanksgiving and one, Mm. it was the second year at Thanksgiving and my husband was out of town and I baked all my mom's favorites. And then I literally ended up on my kitchen floor in a ball crying. And I'm not even that much of a crier. Hmm. And I, I mean, I hurt, I physically hurt. And in all the losses, all the counseling after the bombing, I mean, we lost 35 people, huge chunks of divisions. Our entire legal division was gone there's a lot of grief and it, I mean, it bubbles up over time, but I didn't know it physically hurt. Like you can physically ache from it. And so after hearing my friends talk about, you know, I'm not doing this right. I should be better. I thought, well, I'm a pretty decent writer. I think I will try to put this in a framework of how it's not it's not a linear process. It's not a paint by numbers. Do this, you'll feel that. It's a very personal journey and it's very personal around the person that you lost. And so 
I put it together and I went on the Facebook and I found a couple of women in different groups and I didn't know either of them and asked them to read it because I needed a little confirmation that it was a story somebody other than my you know, inner circle would care about. And one woman called me, she lives somewhere in California, and said, can we talk on the phone before I read your book? And I said, sure. And she goes, what do you want? You know, when we talk, what do you want mm. from me? And I said, I want to know if it resonates, if it's helpful, mm. if it has a nugget of inspiration or motivation to like move forward or comforts in any way. And she goes, well, it's so funny that you would, you know, that I would respond because when I said, yes, I'll read your book, I had no idea what it was about. And I lost my husband 10 years ago. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't think I want you to read it. Hmm. I, I don't know about this. So two days later, she called me and she said, I wish I had had this 10 years ago. Hmm. You know, you need to, you need to move forward. So I, I was so happy that I had, I just got the courage to give it to my girlfriend. I don't know if she's read it. And then I have another cop copy for the man that lost his wife. And I told him about it last week and that I had it for him. And he said, oh, okay. And left it at that. But short, sweet, I'm, I bet it's not a 10 minute read because that's what people like. Short, sweet, give them some kind of action plan. If I want to do something, what would I do? So that's kind of how that came about. Well, from the, what really you talk about inspiring, when I sat down next to you that evening and we started to talk and not knowing anything, and if, if you all listening could not be talking about what we're talking about, but just be with Jennifer during the day, this is the opposite of what you would see. I mean, she is hysterical. She is you know, the life of the party. She, you walk into a room, Jennifer, and you just, I mean, it's not even like lighting it up. It's like, you are the sun. It's just like, ah! And so to have you go through your story and then you were so sweet to send me the actual book. And as you said, for so many, like what I was reading, and, and I didn't even want to read because I didn't want to accept it, right? If you read something about it, then you're accepting it. And so I was just avoiding it. And as you said, paint by paint by numbers. I didn't feel like my, you know, my situation is different. We always think, you know, this is just different. I'm I'm, you know, dealing with this in a different way. And I so appreciated how you put it all together. And I thought it's not that one has more loss than another, although you have been through, you know, this, this I win. <laughs> en enormous, yeah, enormous loss. And for those listening right now, you know, our country, our world is going through enormous loss, but it's the way that you described it, the way that you already had put the silver lining, like sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes moments to really understand the impact. And at that moment when we were talking, I realized the silver lining on my mom's passing. Can you talk a little bit more about other silver linings? You know, we've discussed the relaunch effect and which part of the silver lining, how does it all tie in for you? 
Well, you and I had a conversation recently about sharing my story as far as the before the bombing in the midst of putting the office back together and then now years pass. And on April 18th, 1995, I thought all managers were the end all. I thought they were in charge. And I love to be Pollyanna because I just love that space of everything's going to be fine. And I really thought leaders would take care of me. And what I found out on April 19th and 20th is that some leaders will take care of me. Hmm. And we had so many leaders come in and because we lost a lot of our management staff. I was not a manager at that time. And we had a lot come in and they, they did try to build people up. They did try to understand what was going on. And then others did not at all. And I recently was at a HR luncheon and they always have a speaker. And I just fell in love with this gentleman because his speaker, his speech was all about, it's not work-life balance, it's work-life integration. <laughs> and the people who came in and led and were helpful after the bombing were ones who understood that you didn't check your emotions at the door. It was too big. Hmm. Uh, one friend of mine, I said, I don't see you going to lunch with such and such anymore. And you all were such good friends. And she said, my emotional well-being is entirely too fragile to be around that person. Because they weren't like at the same place of moving forward. And so she was not a supervisor. She wasn't officially a leader or a manager, but she was a leader for me in that moment because I realized I got to cut ties with some people. Mm -hmm. I have got to distance myself in order to move forward. And so today, fast forward all these years, I love the way the gentleman put it in his talk it's worth work-life integration because we don't get in the car and drive to work and forget that we have a home life. Or if we're working from home, it's all right here. And so that whole work-life integration and having leaders that understood that and had compassion, that meant everything. And, and then we had some who came in and I, I, just can't express this strongly enough. They honestly thought nothing had happened. Just, they were putting the blinders on. Sometimes it's too painful and they just avoidance. Yeah. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Get your work done. I needed a handbook reissued. I called this woman. I had never met her. We had talked on the phone. We had emailed back and forth and I called and I said, I need another one of those handbooks sent. And she said, no, we only had so many. We sent them out, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, did you get that this is Jennifer Takagi in Oklahoma City? My, and I love it that you call me Miss O because I have a friend who says, oh, you sound like Miss America. It's Jennifer Takagi from Oklahoma City. <laughs> I said, it's Jennifer Takagi from Oklahoma City. They blew up my damn handbook. Send me one. 
<laughs> now, <laughs> not tomorrow, today. Don't you be getting on my bad side right mm. now, honey, because I need that damn handbook. If I'm going to meet this goal, I need the handbook back. Oh, God, and there so were great. moments like that that just, it was hard. And then fast forward, a woman I had known for years, I thought we were really close and she had moved to the DC area and I was in DC on business. And it was about 10 months later. And I had dinner at her house since our children and you know, her husband, I had known her husband before, but hadn't met the children. And I had some pictures and she goes, what was this two or three, four years ago? It, it hadn't even been a year. I, my mm. heart broke. Mm. And that's when I realized people aren't going through what you're going through. So they don't remember. And you have to give them grace not to, because you don't want them living in your muck, mm. but it's hard. I mean, that's hurtful, but your mom and dad, they've been dead only 11 years. I thought they died a long time ago. Well, 11 years is an eternity and a minute mm. all at the same time. Yeah. It depends who you're talking to. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And the day, because some days it, you miss them more than others. Mm. So, um, that is so true. <laughs> but those kind of things, it's, I couldn't break up with her as a friend. I mean, initially I wanted to, cause I was crushed that she didn't know it hadn't even been a year yet, but that's not where they are. And you have to allow for that. You have to allow people to be where they are and know that they're not going to grieve the way you do. That is the most powerful statement. And how relevant for today, allow people to be where, they're, where they are, but then, you know, there's messages and there's a gentleness of helping people through to see, to hear, to understand, you know, what you're going through, right? What's, what it has done to you, how it's impacted you. And that's why when I said to you, I really would like you to talk about Oklahoma, I wanted you to share that, especially because, Jennifer, what you've been able to do with the writing of the books, with the, you're, you have a, uh, I'd love for you to talk about your company and leadership and some steps that you think that you are so relevant to what you've gone through, but also so relevant to today. So... My first big takeaway that I wanted to share today was the whole idea of work-life integration. And with COVID-19, so <laughs> COVID now you have people working from home with possibly spouses, children, all the above, some of the above, dogs. Like, what are these poor dogs and cats going to do when people go back to work, right? <laughs> They're used to having somebody home all day. When people start going back to work, they're going to bring whatever bubbled up during COVID with them because, and this is my belief, nobody else has to agree with me. I'm good with that. But I believe a lot of what's going on in the country right now is tied at least loosely to people being locked down all this time. Mm. They get outside an atrocity happens, which it was, a 
absolute atrocity and everything bubbles up, right? Everything bubbles up, everything erupts and it's tragic. It's needed. One of the gals in our um, luminary group posted last night on Facebook, I'm watching Just Mercy. Yeah, that's what it's called. And she said it's free on Amazon Prime. So I, I went on last night and I watched it and I was heartbroken to know that started in 1986. Hmm. And, I, and I called the gal and I was like, this is Jennifer. I, we just, I just have to talk to somebody that I know just watched this last night too. And I said, how could that have happened? in the 80s. This is something that should have happened in the 40s. We, we should have, as a nation, moved past this type of racism and hatred. And I equate it to, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I hate you. If you don't go to the same church that I do, well, then I still hate you because your church is wrong and mine is right. And then if you go to church with me, this same congregation and you read a scripture and interpret it differently. I have to hate you because you don't agree with me. Mm. We've set up that mindset instead of learning from somebody else. Really? What's your belief? Well, how do you, how'd you get there? And is there something in it that I might like or enjoy or appreciate? And First grade. I love that because that's really all about being open to others' beliefs, being open to the stories that we all have from our life, and being willing to hear. Being willing to hear, and I'm not just saying through your ear, but through your eyes and the, the, your willingness to take in another person, and we're all connected another person's journey and not be critical, but be compassionate, which I started this whole conversation with you, which is, you know, compassion and love and having it be centered upon that. So I think I, I love number one being worth work-life integration. No doubt. No doubt. Every leader right now needs to be thinking about old ways don't work. Always don't work. And now we all have that, as you said, it's going to bubble up. It's bubbling up. It's overflowing. It is a volcano happening. And if you as a leader, as a manager, as an executive is not being receptive to a person's needs, to understanding them as a whole and not just them as a, they're getting that job done, then you're right. missing it. You're missing it. And you will not survive in this next this next vision of where leadership is going to go. No, you're absolutely not. And the, the second piece that goes with the work-life integration is to understand as a leader, and you don't have to be a manager to be a leader, because I was a big leader in my office before I ever had a title. And that is each person is going to process this their own way. And you can't have an expectation that it's linear because people are grieving. People are grieving COVID. They are grieving weddings canceled or postponed. They are grieving graduation ceremonies that didn't happen. My girlfriend's daughter just graduated medical school 
and I will say I baked the most darling cake ever for it, but which we haven't even discussed the fact that you have a cake company. I mean, seriously, you guys, it is the uh, incredible. I, in fact, I even ordered one for my ex-husband for his birthday recently, and she sent it across country. And he's a big Redskins fan. And it, I mean, it was so perfect. It was so great. <laughs> well, I, I didn't care about graduation. I only went through high school graduation because my mama made me. I did not go through my college graduation. I graduated from the University of Oklahoma. I didn't even go through it. I borrowed, I got a girlfriend to give me an announcement so I could give it to my mom so that she would have like a little token or whatever. Because <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. I'm the youngest of four. They were so over that. And I knew it because I didn't want to go to theirs either. So um, <laughs> this whole and this is why I love Miss O. She, she definitely says it as it is. <laughs> well, if, so if they had told me your graduation's canceled, I probably would have been okay with that. It would have been like, oh, okay. But for those gonna, going through it, it is, it is traumatic in its own right. It is. Yeah. So, um, but know that everybody has their own process. One friend of ours, her daughter graduated high school. So I surprised her with cupcakes and cookies for the party. Another one's son is they're having the party at the end of this month. And I will be surprising her with some cupcakes and cookies too. So just knowing that. Tell us again, the name of your baking company. My baking company is pie. P-I-E, loveyoudesserts.com. Okay. For those that <laughs> love desserts, please go to Instagram and check it out. Start following her. She is, I mean, it is, it is so awesome. These cakes, these pies, these everything she does. And this isn't even what she's focused on. So, okay. Back to the leadership. We have these, okay. so far we have two great tips. We've got work, life integration, and we've got process, people process their own way. It's not linear. It's not the paint by number. And then what would number three be? Number three is know that people will step up. You have to have that hope and belief and that inner knowing that people will step up. We, the bombing was April 19th. Our fiscal year in was September 30. Our office as a whole, as a collective, we made every single one of our national and local goals. Hmm. We lost. That's, that's awesome. The end of March, they had a huge um, push to get people to retire. I don't really know what was going on at the time, just cult reorg stuff. And we had a, a, a dinner party and, you know, drinks and the whole bit. And like 15, 18 people retired all in one day, which helped our numbers of people killed because, you know, that would have thrown that many more in the mix. And then we had 35 killed at the time of the bombing. And we were left with, I'm going to say 70, 80. I don't know the exact number. Mm. It was under 100 or right at mm -hmm. 100. But every division lost some very critical pieces of knowledge and information to meet their goals. And we pulled together and made it happen. I mean, I yelled at that woman until I got that handbook so I could make her goal that mm -hmm. I was responsible for. But people will step up. You need to give them a little bit of room, but people will step up. People will lead. People will do the right thing. 
if you're the manager and you assume that your people will step up and do the right thing, you'll be surprised at how many do actually step up and do the right thing. Mm, that's so great. These are three incredibly useful tips and everyone needs to hear this as we go into the next phase, right? Okay, so now we are at the end of the show and we always do our rapid fire. And I'm gonna give you a series of questions and you just, you know, off the top of your head, give me an answer, okay? You ready for this? I don't think so, but I'll try. <laughs> okay, Zoom calls. Are you dressed head to toe or waist up? Typically head to toe. Mm, I could see that. Uh, number two, how often do you wash your hair? Every single day. I yeah. could also see that. Of course, Miss O would wash her hair every day. <laughs> I can't do it. I cannot do it. I love this beauty product. Oh, my Chanel lipstick. It's the kind of, and it lasts for hours and hours and hours. And it's $35 a tube and it's totally worth it. I, you know what? I agree with you. That's what I use too. The one that stains it all day long and it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. I'm not wearing it right now, but usually I do. Yeah, no, it looks, it looks good for all those that can't see her lips look good. Okay. Uh, backyard barbecue or a swanky cocktail party. Backyard barbecue. Absolutely. All right. Your go-to poolside drink. Um, typically it would be beer, but I can drink frozen drinks and love them. I have a recipe <laughs> for a chocolate monkey that is to die for. Ooh, I like that one. We have to talk about that later. Good. Okay. And here's a bonus question. Midlife magic means. You get to start over unapologetically and just be who you want to be because you don't have anybody to impress now. They're either on board with you or they're gone. No, that is so on point. All right. So we're wrapping it up. Is there anything that you're working on that you would like to share with all of the relaunchers out there? Well, I'm very excited. I just had my, web, uh, my website, takagiconsulting.com rebranded and it's beautiful. And I have an online training course, How Great Leaders Build Great Teams. And it really gives you the, the strategies that you need to start building up your leadership skills and building a team so that you can work cohesively together. Well, and who better than you to be delivering that? So that course, we can actually find on your website? Yes. Takagiconsulting.com. And we'll definitely put this into the treasure chest so everyone can find that there. Jennifer, thank you for your time. Miss O, you crushed it. Your story is empowering. The silver linings and you know how you're now teaching leadership is inspiring to all of us. So thank you so much for being here today. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for being my friend and inviting me today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.
Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you felt a connection to this episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch, please head over to iTunes now. It would mean so much to me if you would leave a good review and help others find Silver Linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to all of the bonuses and notes from the show today in our treasure chest, which you have access to for free by texting 55444 and typing in treasure chest. Or you could go to our private Facebook group, The Relaunch Effect, Living a Life You Love. Together we've hit the reset button for you turning your transitions into a transformation. Until next time, don't forget, there's always a silver lining.